Hi, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic, largely to entertain myself, learn something, and more importantly, get a chance to chat with my friends that I don't get to see. Um, today, my guest is Glenn Hebert, and I've known Glenn for a number of years because I did spots on his um, network when we were like at Ada or at Equine Affair. Um, but recently, I've been a guest on the Dressage Hour with Reese and um, Philip, and it's been a blast. And of course, Glenn's in the background, not every show, but a lot of the shows uh, doing, what, doing what he does. Harassing um, people. Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> so I thought it would be super interesting to have him on the program today because I want to learn more about Horse Radio Network and how Glenn got into this and created such a fabulous program for horse people. So welcome, Glenn. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I think we did meet. I might have been 10 years ago at Ada. Was, yeah. And Ada's the trade show. You would go go there and set up and then we go there to broadcast from there. So that's how we met a lot of people in the industry. Yeah. So yeah. Glenn, what's your background? I mean, is your background in radio? No, it's diverse actually. And it's not, I, I was in sales for a lot of years. I was a uh, financial salesperson. So I dealt with farmers mostly uh, on estate planning and farm planning and investing and things like that. And then getting their estates ready for when they died. Um, so I did that for a lot of years. And then uh, we also had an acting company. That's where the wanting to be an entertainer came from. Uh, I started at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. That's where I met my wife, Jennifer. She was there as well. And we were performers. We did that for a number of years. And then we formed our own acting company called the Horse, uh, uh, what was it? Not the Horse Radio Network. We called it the Medieval Feasting Guild. And we did Benny Hill style medieval feasts. And we did that for 10 years at mostly at a castle in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And we did weddings and corporate events and open public shows. We did 450 shows over 10 now, years. Now, wait a second. You were in a medieval festival deal? Yes. Yeah. I played the king. Jennifer played the queen. Uh, so I played a king for 10 years. I kind of miss people. Bow Nobody bows to me anymore. You know, it's so much fun every, you know, every week if people were bowing for me. But uh, I mostly played the king partly because I like playing the king, but also as the director of the show. Oh, it was an improv show. So as the king, whatever I said went, and I could direct the show and nobody knew it. The cast knew it because I'd tell them to do something and it was because something needed to happen in the show at that point. But that's why we did it. It was so much fun and I loved entertaining, you know, and well, that's how the entertaining That's bug. for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. We, that's what we do now. We're, the morning shows, you know, horses in the morning is entertainment. And right. you learn something along the way. Okay, so, so how did you go from medieval hosting dinner parties as the king to Horse Radio Network? Well, there were a lot of years in between doing various things. I was a consultant for a number of companies in the horse world. Um, uh, for all of you out there that know this website, tackoftheday.com, um, and a lot of you know, I know a lot of you know the website. I was uh, the one who started that and uh, worked for Bit of Britain and Smart Pack at times and consulting with a bunch of companies. And then I just got, I missed doing entertainment. I was out of it for so long. And podcasting was just starting when I did it. I mean, it was just starting. It was at the very beginning of podcast. Nobody knew how to listen. You could, it was so hard to listen uh, back then because there were, no, there were no phones. You had to download a file onto your MP3 player. You had to onto your iPod. And then you had to listen by downloading it first on your computer and then transferring. Your, it was a pain. Right, because uh, I, I never remember like people were talking about podcasts, but I never, I, I couldn't get into it because I couldn't figure it out. So what well, it was, that? it was hard. Yeah, what, what <laughs> that was back in two. I, I did my first podcast in two thousand six, but the Horse Radio Network started in two thousand eight. So we started in two thousand eight. Helena and I started the Stable Scoop Show, and we always knew we wanted to have more than one show. So we started Horse Radio Network, and Stable Scoop was the first and only show for a little while. And then eventing and dressage came on. Dressage has been gone that long; it's been over ten years. Oh wow! The dressage show, yeah. So the one that you're you're sponsoring and you work with, uh, recent Philippon, that's been gone a long time. Um, so we and then we had a WEG show back then for the 2010 WEG. Uh, and started that, and we got all these other shows going, and I knew we, that I wanted to be full-time eventually, and after about five years, we were doing well enough that we could, I could go full-time, and then a few years after that, my wife came full-time as well. So you were so doing podcasting was, first, like, and so yeah. people would like download your show? Yep, 
Or and, listen on a, more than likely they would hit play on a website, you know, because they, they couldn't download it. They couldn't figure oh, it out. Okay. One of the problems we've always had with horse people, no offense to all of us, but we tend to be a little more technologically challenged than most groups. So they were always a couple of years behind technology wise. And I always had to, we, we spent a lot of time educating people just how to listen. You know, the most common question we would get back then, even, you know, when we visit people at ADA is what station do I listen on? And we'd have to explain, no, you go to, go to this website. You know, it was, it was, it's so much easier now because people actually know what a podcast is. But right. for 10 years there, we were playing the education game. Nobody knew. So we were way ahead of the curve there. Well, you know, I, I have that same thing like with the webinars. Most of the, like you were easy. You, you knew how to sign on. But I usually have to do like a test webinar with everybody and make sure they have enough uh, bandwidth for their internet. And so a lot of times they have to send me their, their uh, video and photos because you're right. Uh, these people that I talk to are technologically not so savvy. They're really great at what they do, but to get the information out to the people is so hard because they don't know how to deal with the technology. And so and that's still one of our biggest challenges of bandwidth. I mean, we, we have to do most of our interviews on the phone because these people live in the middle of nowhere with no internet, you know, or practically no internet. Uh, so that is, that's a challenge that we we have as a group that a lot of other podcasts don't have because they're dealing with other tech podcasts or dealing with tech people. They all have, they all have great bandwidth, right? They live in cities or in suburbs, but you know, so that, that's been a challenge for us. Yeah. We've had over, what is it now? Over 11,000 guests on the horse radio network. Oh, wow. Over, I bet yeah. you have some great names that you could give me that hopefully they'd have enough bandwidth. I could have them on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I could, yeah, just let me know who you want. We probably had them. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and Carol yeah. says she's in the middle of nowhere too. Yeah, Carol, like most oh. of us. So when did you start going full time? I was four or five years in. So 2013, maybe somewhere in that area. Dates are kind of, it's all blur. Yeah, I get it. Um, we, we had started horses, horses in the morning. We started in 2010. I always knew, I always wanted to do a morning drive radio show. I always wanted to be a morning drive disc jockey. And I knew I could never get a job at a regular radio station and I didn't want to drive to work. So I said, I'm going to just start my own. And it was crazy back then. Cause again, we still had the same problem, how to listen. Right. And to, we wanted to do live. So that added more complexity to it because live wasn't a thing back then either. So that was just the very beginning of smartphones. Um, so we, but I did it and found the perfect co-host in Jamie uh, we're now over 2,500 episodes. We're, we're in the top five longest running daily podcasts in the world of all podcasts world. in the world. Yep. So, you know, we've been, we just kept going. We just were too stupid to quit, I think. Um, we're still going. But it's been so much fun over those years. Jamie says I'm the longest relationship she's ever had. So I'm oh. proud of that. <laughs> But, you know, it's true. I mean, how many people stay in a job for 10 years doing it day after day after day after day? And, well, nowadays, uh, yeah, that's, but, that's, uh, that's a big feat. So, so when you did the morning show, like people were still listening on the internet? Yeah, most people still listen to morning show. We do it live, but very, we have, you know, 100, 200 live listeners and, and everybody else listens. All the thousands of others listen on the podcast. So they listen to the podcast form. And that was true back then. We did it live because Jamie had done live radio in Atlanta before. She was 10 years in morning drive radio. She did the morning show. Oh. Uh, so she was, she had the radio experience. So and she liked doing live. It has a different feel when you do live, as you know, it yeah. is what it is, right? <laughs> you know, if it's screwed up, it's screwed up. If you mess up, you mess up. It is what it is. If the lightning, so that has a different... lightning goes out, you're done. you're done. And we've had that happen before. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we like that feel of it is what it is. Whereas a podcast, you know, the other podcasts like Dressage and everything, you know, we edit those, you know? So if you want to stop in the middle of a interview with Reese, you say cut, and we edit that part out where, so it does have a different feel. And I think we like that feel. We could stop today doing that show live and it wouldn't matter. Those live listeners would listen to the podcast. You know, they're the true fans. They're the super fans, uh, but they would listen. Right. And, but it has a feel. So that's why we do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Live is a completely different animal. And you just, I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. And hopefully it all goes smoothly and everything goes great. But Well, I think you're more on too. And that's one of the reasons that Jamie and I like 
Like you're, you're more on, you're just on, you know, your, your energy level, I think is higher actually for live than it is for the podcast because you know, it's live. So, you know, your energy level is up. It's just, everything is, is, is amped up a notch. Yeah. Yep. No, that's true. Cause I, you know, I, I can remember getting done with the webinars in the beginning and I was totally exhausted because it took so much to talk into a computer screen with no feedback. And I'm so used to doing clinics where there's a rider and a horse and some auditors and, and you get that feedback and here it was just a one-way street into a black hole. Um, but, you know, the good news is that you start to get feedback from people. And I, and I think, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this before we started the program, that the, the thing that really keeps us going is the audience that's really the driver behind the shows. But for me, for sure, I just got an email the other day. A woman was telling me how much the webinars have not only helped her understand what she needs to do for her horse in terms of his feet, but to find a new farrier and then try some wraps from the T-Touch people and work with Can- um, Robin in Canada and what a difference it's made to her horse. So when you get that kind of feedback for me, it's really what keeps me going, right? And, I, and I'm it sure is. that's... For sure. We had a couple this week that really I needed them at the time we got them, right? And it, it seems like you get the feedback, you get the email, you, you see the Facebook post, and they're very meaningful. But you seem to get them just when you need them. Yeah. If you know what I mean, you need oh, a yeah. boost. <laughs> we're all human, right? I'm human. We're all human. We get ups and downs and we need a boost every once in a while. So they tend to come, you know, I can look at the numbers and see tens of thousands of downloads and all that stuff. Jennifer can give me the numbers of income from sponsors and advertising and all of that. But none of that means as much as getting that one very special email where you made a difference in somebody's life. Whether it's you made them laugh, you made them, you, you helped them learn something that did save their horse or, you know, uh, uh, made their horse much better or in some cases saved their horse. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we did a show. I remember, never forget this. We did a show on, on getting cast in the stall. And we had somebody on talking about exactly what you're supposed to do and not do when horses get cast. We had a draft horse, uh, one ton Percheron cast in the stall one day, uh, totally stuck. I mean, and this is a one ton Percheron. And we were like, okay, the stall is 12 by 14. The horse, you know, is laying down stuck. And what do we do? So we did a show on that. And a week later, we got an email that said that their horse got cast and they knew exactly what to do because they had heard that episode and they wouldn't have known what to, they would have done it wrong had they not heard the episode. So, you know, there's all of that kind of feedback that you get. And, you know, I heard from two people this morning, this is how close you get to be a community when you're doing online things like you're doing or podcast is it really does become a community. We have a great community with the horse radio network, Carol, one of them there. Um, I had two private messages on Facebook. Two of our listeners had to evacuate this morning from the West coast the fires were heading to their houses and farms. One of them had to leave their horses behind because it came up so quick. They weren't expecting it. So, you know, when you get that kind of feet and they wrote to me on, on the morning, they left their farms asking for prayers. And, you know, so that kind of, that tells you what kind of community that you do build if you're open and you're honest. And, you know, we are that, you know, Jamie and I, especially in the morning show, we're just, and recent Philip and all the hosts, I have such a good group of hosts that, you know, we are who we are, you know, we don't claim to be anything else. Um, And, you know, we just, we just, that's what makes it work. That's what makes it special. And that's why people listen. You know, I, Wendy, you too. I, I, and I've heard this about you from people who've seen your webinars. We, we have a saying, and when I do my keynote speeches for podcasting, we have a saying, and that's people come to a podcast for the content because they're looking for a specific content. In our case, maybe they're looking for a show about dressage, right? Or information about dressage or, uh, you know, whatever. And, but they stay for the host. If they didn't like the host, if you think about shows you've gone and watched or tried to watch, the content was great, but it was boring, or you just didn't like the host for whatever reason, you're not coming back. Mm -hmm. So they come for the content, stay for the host. It's something very important to remember as a podcaster is they're not, and a lot of podcasters don't get that. They think they're coming, that they're staying for the content. No, they, they're, yeah, you still have to have good content, but they're not coming back unless they like you. Wow, that's, you know, that's a really interesting statement. I hadn't heard that before. Um, so, you know, I, and the I, comments I heard about you were, I love Wendy. 
It wasn't I love what she does on the show. That's not what I heard from our listeners who watch you too. It's I love Wendy. So that just proves the point right there. Okay, now, if you had crappy... <laughs> <laughs> but if you had crap, I mean, you also make the content good. Uh, th there is a combination. You do need both. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I've had people say, well, you're really interested in your content and my, and my guests. And I am. I'm really interested in hearing what my guests have to say because I have a horse too. And I'm just as much the student as I am the teacher. And I've been using the information from my guests and managing my horse because. Uh, you know, I live in Virginia and we've had, we had eight inches of rain in August instead of our usual three. Our fields are soggy wet. And so I'm trying to manage their feet, which has been a challenge, but I've been using ideas from my guests to help my own horses. And so that's just, you know, I think I'm invested just as, as much as an owner as I am as a, a learner and as an educator. So, um, you know, that really. Well, I think that makes you a good interviewer. You know, one of the things we, <clears throat> we look for and hosts is people who are naturally curious about everything. So especially like on the morning show where we're talking about everything in the horse world, English, Western, whatever, you know, there's some, we've had some very interesting guests over the years <laughs> talking about some very out, of, out there things. And, but what makes it fun and what makes it good is we are curious and we're interested, you know, we're interested in learning everything. And that's what makes a good host. If you have a host that thinks they know it all already, they're not a good host. Right. Mm -hmm. Because all they're doing is talking about what they know and they just aren't a good host because they're not curious about their guest. So you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. You're doing all these things right and you didn't even know it. I didn't know it. No, <laughs> I just was like, okay, we're just going to dive in here and, uh, you know, I'm going to just try and figure this thing out. And like I said, it's, it's been a real education and it's a real learning process. And one of the things I like to do as a teacher is to always put myself back in the position of being a student. Because, you know, when a student comes to me and I present them with a whole new, you know, palette of information, I can watch them glaze over. And I think one of the things with these webinars was learning how to do them. And, and that was like a whole new learning process, being the student, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how do I get a guest and what do I need for that guest? And then, you know, spending five hours on Sunday trying to set up the email so I have all the components. Because there's a lot of stuff, as you know, behind the scenes that... No one sees. They just see the program and think, wow, that was great. But as you know, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that no one sees. We, you know, when I, again, when I'm doing my talks at podcasting conferences, we spend eight to 10 hours for uh, pre and post-production for every hour we're on the air. Wow. And that includes marketing and booking guests and, you know, just, you know, everything that has to be done, it takes time. You know, sometimes booking guests is 10 emails back and forth yeah. and that, you know, we'll have 20 guests a week on the show. So there's a lot of guests, right? So yeah, it takes between uh, probably eight and 12 hours for every hour we're on. Here. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. Just knowing what, how many hours it takes me to get one, a one hour webinar scheduled four to five days a week and you're doing multiple shows so i'm i'm sure that that's quite quite a lot of work so all right so here's my first question who's the most interesting guest that you've ever had on your on your network oh wow we've had i mean on the morning show alone we've had six thousand guests so okay so who stands out like is there one or maybe it was like uh well i would say you know there are a couple that stand out uh, um charlie daniels was one that really stood out for us uh, you know, it was very special. It was an interview that Jamie and I got to do. Uh, and he was on the road. He was 80 at the time, I think. Uh, still on the road. He was doing a concert that night. He talked to us in the morning and talked to us all about his horses and his farm and, you know, just the Christmas and all of that. It was just one of those surreal moments that you never think you're going to have. And I had just seen him uh, like two years or three years before that at Grand Old Opry. He was playing at the Grand Old Opry when we went to see the Grand Old Opry. So that was kind of cool. Um, we, you know, I, I still answer the same way for, for one of my favorite episodes of all time was we went to Graceland. They invited us to come to Graceland and do Horses in the Morning live from the barn. They actually ran a uh, internet cable from the house out to the barn and we set up in the barn with the horses. There's still horses there. And the day before they gave us tours and did the whole thing. And then that day, the woman who took care of the horses at Graceland when Elvis was alive came in and just sat and told us stories for an hour and a half. Uh, and that was one of the, that was a special day. Right. I mean, and then we've done shows at Disney world and we, 
We've done shows live there in the barns and her. And I mean, the one show at Disney where I guess with goosebumps just thinking about this, the woman had Roy Disney or um, had uh, not Roy. Uh, Disney had Disney's photo book of when he had his Walt horses. Disney. Walt, Walt Disney. Disney. Sorry. Yeah. I was, it's okay. of brother. I was a kid. I watched his they show. Had, <laughs> they had Walt Disney's photo book because he was a real big horse guy. He used to show. Yeah. And they had his actual photos, old black and white photos in the little little corners and the whole thing. And she went through his photo book with us for two hours, showing us the story of Walt and his life. And it was his photo book. So, I mean, you know, those are the kinds of things that because of our podcast, we got to do those kind of things. And then, you know, just, just, you know, we love having guests on and we've had guests of all kinds. But, you know, some of our most interesting guests are our listeners because they have amazing stories to tell and they know us. So a lot of times you have a big name Olympic rider or whatever. They're not listening to the show. But when you have a guest on that knows you, knows Jamie, knows I, knows other hosts, they know us. So they kind of know what we're looking for. And they, they're so excited to be there and to be on the show. And that just makes it special, right? It really makes it special. And it's fun for us to get to know them. Because I can't tell you how many places we've been Rolex or wherever, and they come up and say, I feel like you're my best friend and you don't even know me. Um, and we get that all the time. And it's because we, we're in their ears every day. So, yeah. You know, you do, you, you know, you do get to be friends with those people that are so, in your ears every day. How many listeners do you have? There's about 140,000 total for the network. Um, and then there's 10 to 20,000 any, any given time on horses in the morning. But, you know, dressage will have between probably eight and 10. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a lot, but then we've spent a lot of years, you know, we were, we did this six months on stable scoop first six months after six months, we had 12 listeners. <laughs> so there you go. We've, it's taken 12 years to get to this point. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, the, this is so interesting for me to hear you talk about this because I, you know, I, I, I have to say when I first met you way back when it was small, right? And, yep, and I had yep. no idea listening to you now, I have no idea that you'd been to Graceland and that you'd been to Walt Disney and you've done these other things because I've been busy, you know, and that's the thing is we're all busy doing our own thing over here and, and don't have enough time to really pay attention to everything else that's going on in the industry. And so this is just fascinating i'm just really amazed at at some of the things you've done and you know i think the thing that's so important is that what i find in the horse world is it tends to be very isolated and very um you know i'm an endurance rider i'm a dressage rider i'm a western rider and we kind of get in our own little pods and our own little you know tribes and not intermingle but we all are dealing with the same thing we're all dealing with a horse and, you know, that's the common thing. And I think what your, your network is doing is it's really helping people recognize that it, we need to be the community of the horse, not the community of our discipline. Our, our, uh, our motto since day one at the Horse Radio Network has been uniting the horse world one show at a time. That's been our goal, goal since day one. And I just got the best, uh, one of our auditors, we, we have a super group. But super fans uh, group that are called auditors. They actually have to donate at least $3 a month toward the hosts to do that. And we have about 500 of them. They have their own Facebook room and it's the most active Facebook room you're ever going to find. But one of our auditors posted that she true, she actually said that uniting the horse world one show at a time has been the thing that she has seen the horse radio network do because we truly, you know, before diversity was a thing, we've been diverse. I mean uh, you know, we have an African-American host and we have a, we have an African-American producer and, you know, we have, we've been diverse since day one only because that's just the way we are. We, I don't, to be honest, it, you know, the diversity part, they're, they're just people we liked, you know, it doesn't matter whether they were black or white or whatever, you know, I never even thought about the diversity part as, you know, a conscious thing. It wasn't a conscious thing. It was people who we liked that we wanted to host or work with us, you know, that, that did a good job. So, you know, I think that, you know, we've, we've naturally done that through the years. Now people are seeing it because it's so front of mind now, yeah. You know, that they're seeing that, boy, this group is diverse, but, you know, we've always been that way because it just is the way we are. You know, it's, it's 
you know, we, we like talking to people who are good at what they do. It doesn't matter, you know, whether they're gay or, you know, African-American or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The horse that unites us. And it's really important that we keep that in mind that, that, um, that's really the, the defining factor and that any, anybody and everybody that has good information that can help us and benefit us in terms of improving our horse care and our horsemanship and our horse understanding is going to help our relationship with our horse. And so it's a positive thing. And I think that that's, you know, with radio, you, you don't even see who your audience is. It's, it's it, like, uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the, it's the horse that unites us and they come in all different colors and shapes and sizes. And that's the beauty of it. And we do all different things with them, but it's still a horse. And you know, horses in the morning is our most popular show. And that's not about anything in specific. It's a morning drive radio show, show that happens to be about horses. Right. So we've talked about everything and anything, you know, they're, we're talking about everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the one thing you said, the word positive, I think that's the one reason people stay is that in, they want to listen. And some of our listeners have been listening for 10, 12 years, is we keep it very positive and upbeat. We, we tend not to dwell on the negative stories. We, you know, uh, we, we don't spend whole episodes on negative stuff. We might touch on a thing that happened and then move on because they're coming to us for an outlet. You know, I can't tell you how many times during election cycles and during COVID where people would say, I could come to you and not have to worry about hearing about that. It was mm-hmm. always positive and upbeat. And, you know, no matter what's going on in our lives, personally, we try and keep it that way because people come to us for an escape. We're kind of an escape. They can listen to us for an hour and a half every day or, you know, the dressage show once a week or whatever show it is of all 20 we have is they can get away from life because we all have problems. We don't need to be reminded of them. Mm-hmm. You know, for serious horse news, we're not journalists. We're hosts. We're talk show hosts, right? So, and when I, I don't let people call us journalists. They say, well, you're, you're a pretty good journalist. No, we're not. We're not journalists. We're just hosts. We're entertainers. Uh, Chronicle, let you go get the serious stuff from them. If you want to hear stuff about safe sport and whether they're going to go into it in depth or whatever, you know, whatever crisis is hitting the horse world at that moment, go get it there. Uh, we're here to entertain and make you forget about your day for a little bit and maybe learn a little something that's going to help your horses too. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before we started the broadcast. It's what the intent is. And, and um, for me, it's safe, fun, and educational as a riding instructor because I want to make sure that they're safe on their horse. And it fa- I found out that we have a similar concept there. Yeah, we're entertainment and education in that order. So we call it edutainment is what we call it. Um, So, you know, we're here to entertain first. You know, when we started this back in 2006, everything was boring in the horse world. Now, you know, internet was just coming. You could watch videos and stuff, but our... RFD TV was there. And I'm sorry, most of those programs were just boring. This is how you train a horse, you know, monotone, boring. And I said, we're a fun group who likes to party a lot. Why are we watching this boring stuff? So that's why we started Horse Radio Network was to get some life and, and some fun into this whole world of the horse world. And it is a fun world. So why weren't we highlighting that, right? And we just had a platform. Podcasting allowed us a platform to highlight it in long form. You know, videos tend to be short, whereas audio, we can go longer and people listen while they're doing something else. So, so, yeah. so you have totally 20, agree. 20, yeah, you have 20 shows, 20 different shows. I think it's about 20. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impressive, starting out from one. Yeah. (laughs) And we've had some come and go along the way, just like any other network. You know, we also have to look at, as a network, and some of the shows, I know some of the listeners have been mad that they left, but as a network, we have to look at numbers. We have to look at everything from a business point of view, too. Yeah, we do this, and we're having fun doing it, but it still is a business. Ultimately, the Horse Radio Network is a business. It's a corporation. If you 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 can't earn a living doing what you love, then how are you going to earn a living? And you don't want to do something you don't want to do. So numbers do come into it. You, you do have to look at your numbers. Yeah, we have to. I, and it's my least favorite part, you know, because I still would rather do this, right? Oh, sure. Being on the mic is the most fun part. Selling ads and doing all that stuff is not the most fun part. Uh, it's, it's stuff you have to do, but yet 70% of my week is doing that stuff. Right. And only about 30% of it's doing the really fun stuff, right? Right. But what are some of the numbers? I know you shared some with me, and I thought they were kind of interesting in terms of your statistics. Well, you know, we did a survey recently, and I thought that was interesting too. Um, 
and I was surprised at some. We did a survey of our auditors, that super fan group. And, you know, like, when do they listen? Driving was number one. Um, and then anytime, anywhere. And I think that's true of most people who listen to podcasts now, is if you think about when you're listening, it's whenever you're doing something else that doesn't require your full attention. So driving, cleaning stalls, you know, just doing the dishes, vacuuming, mowing the lawn. That's when people listen to podcasts. So it's been, it's been interesting. But one of the other interesting things that we, we saw, and this affects you, and I think you were happy to see this, is that 90% of our listeners have bought something as a result of one of the commercials we did in the past year. Oh, wow. when, when it was only 30% from a magazine if they saw a magazine ad. And I think the reason for that is too, is, is it comes back to what we talked about. We're their friends. So we're in their ears all the time. And we only, we, we very carefully pick the products that we represent. You know that because we went through this before you ever came on, right? I had yeah. a conversation with you. Reese had to approve your product. Yeah. Um, or you would have never been advertising on that show. And you knew that. I mean, we, we explained that to all the advertisers. But we, because we are that way, our listeners trust us. So when we recommend a product, they know they can buy it and trust it. If we had been taking every product that came along and, you know, every supplement company out there that nobody knows anything about, we don't know about them and we don't trust them, but yet we still did it to take the money, then our listeners wouldn't trust us. So, you know, that trust is a big part of what you do in, in media. It, you know, you're, whether it's magazines or, or whether it's podcasts or webinars or whatever it is, or seminars like you do, people trust you or they wouldn't come to your seminar, right? They're not going to come learn from you if they don't trust you. Or if they don't, when they're not coming back, if they leave and they go, I don't trust that lady. I think she's shady, right? Uh, <laughs> they're not coming back, even though coming in, and you talk about some concepts that are very revolutionary and very new. You specifically do. So when they come in, they're, all, they're skeptical to begin with. So you have an added chore of winning them over. Not only do you have to win them over and make it fun and interesting for them, they have to believe that what you're saying works when they leave. And then they'll come back or they'll buy the program or they'll buy the product. So you actually have an added thing. We have to entertain them and help them have a little fun and learn something along the way. You have to show them that what you're saying and what is so new and, and real about this that makes it work actually works. But they have to walk away believing that. You know, so it you, brings up such an interesting point is that the trust of our listeners is a sacred trust and we have to honor that. And if we violate that, then, and we break that trust, it's just like a trust with a horse that, you know, they, they, ha you have to honor that trust and it goes that we're not going to deceive them or just try to do anything to just, you know, make a sale or whatever. And that's good and bad. I mean, you have to do the good and the bad is what I mean. So as a host, especially on a morning show like we do, it's five days a week where we're spilling our whole lives, right? Jamie, especially, every little thing that happens to her, you know, is that girl. Uh, but, you know, it just, I had, I found out a bit of bad news about my health recently. And we were like, do we talk about it on the air or not? And it's like, yeah, we're going to talk about it on the air because we're honest, you know, and I think the, you know, that people listening appreciate the fact that whether it's good or bad, they want to be there with because you're their friend and we're their friends, right? Mm -hmm. They're our friends. So we need to be in this together. And I think the hosts that don't share those things that don't, that try and deceive on some of the bad things that happen, nothing's rosy all the time, right? Mm -hmm. None of us have a rosy life all the time. We all have our crap. And we all, but our crap is the same as other people's crap. They're dealing with the same kind of thing too. So I think that that's on, you know, we did a couple of interviews, Jamie and I recently on other podcasts about podcasting for the morning show, because we hit 2,500 episodes and it was a big, a big deal in the podcasting world. And Jamie was asked, you know, that question, she was asked, you know, why does it work? And she said, because we're vulnerable. And if you think about the most successful morning drive radio shows and other shows that you've watched or you've listened to, Oprah, you know, she also would tell about her vulnerable things, right? So that, and that makes you human. I think you have to do that. I think that's something that you have to share to be successful ultimately. That reminds me when the pandemic started and I was on, um, 
on the dressage hour, I talked about the fact that I had had hepatitis C and that um, when I got hepatitis C, it was probably in 84 when I had my accident and I didn't find out till 2005. And at that point, my liver enzymes were up and the treatment was interferon and I chose to do it holistically and, and I got my liver numbers perfect, but I still had hep C and I, until they could finally come up with a treatment. And the reason I shared that story is it's so much like what we're dealing with with the pandemic that you know, the crisis moment of finding out and the panic of what do we do and how are we gonna deal with this? And then you start to learn to live with it, but you don't have a solution yet. And you just have to keep yourself going until you finally do have a solution. And then you can get, I got cured of hepatitis C three years ago now. Um, and I shared that story and, you know, that was one of the episodes where I got a lot of feedback from your listeners. They really appreciated that honesty and how I used my experience as a metaphor, as a microcosm of the macrocosm we're living right now. I have chronic Lyme disease and we've talked about that, you know, I've talked about that on the air many times because I have to be off the air. You know, I get sick of it like once a month from that. So yeah. sometimes I'm off the air and the longtime listeners now will know when I'm having a bad day because mine's neurological. Oh yeah. So I, you know, I get fuzzy and can't think right and words come out backwards and they know, you know, the longtime listeners know when I'm having a semi bad day and one of the other hosts is covering for me a bit. And the, all the hosts know. So I'll just tell them I'm having a bad day and they know they have to talk more, right? So, um, you know, but that, again, that's what makes it engaging, right? So you're absolutely right about sharing that stuff because it, it, that in itself helps somebody that might have hepatitis C that's going, I don't know if I'm ever going to get through this, you know? And, and I've done a, several podcasts on Lyme disease where, where they want to show, basically they're using me as a point. Look, he has chronic Lyme and he's still doing all these things. Yeah. Uh, so you can do it, you know, you just have, it's not easy at times, you know, but then most people don't have easy lives. There's, you know, we all have lives and there are not easy parts. <laughs> yeah. So it's just absolutely. the way it is. Right. And, yeah. um, and it's learning strategies of how to get through it. And I think that when we get to relate to someone else, that helps us realize that we can form a strategy and find a way for ourselves. And it's true of our horses. Yeah. They're always getting hurt doing something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so it's never easy. There's always something, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and that's why horses are all consuming too. That's why we, you know, they're, they're our entire lives because we spend most of the time just figuring out how to take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hoping they stay sound before the show or that, you know, they're not going to do something silly out in the field the day we're yep. going to, yeah, it's, um, it's such an interesting act, uh, sport that we all have decided to endeavor in. And, you know, it has such great rewards, but it also has great misery. <laughs> it does. I mean, we have, I get to, uh, probably five of our auditors that have had ho horse operations in the last couple of weeks, oh, you wow. know, so, you know, just, you know, what's interesting too is, and I think this is what's missing in social media today is, well, it's, it is what's missing is empathy. You know, we never know what somebody's going through, you know, so, you know, and, but it's been very interesting in our auditor Facebook room because they're very open and honest and it's a safe place and they share a lot of things, not, even, not about horses or about horses, but you, that's made me, watching that room has made me realize that I have to be more empathetic to everybody because yeah, the person that gives you the finger one day because you know they cut you off and you don't know what kind of bad day they're having right uh so i think that's just given me a little bit more empathy than i ever had before is seeing and realizing that we just have to be more empathetic because we don't know what kind of day people are having you know and especially now with the pandemic you know like i had a bad day and i'm going to be really honest about it i had a bad day and i walked into a Store and there were people without masks and I was having, I had a meltdown. <laughs> I just told them that I walked out of the store, you know, and it was just like, I can't stand it. And, um, you know, I mean, you look back on it and you go, wow, was it really that bad? But it was just the culmination of everything. And it just, you know, Vegas just couldn't handle it anymore. I'm done. Um, and I, and I think we're all a little bit more sensitive, but you know, what Sharon Wilsey talked about on our show yesterday is that in this sort of heightened stage of anxiety, we're more like what horses are all the time. They're always kind of looking around for where the boogeyman is or where something's going to happen. Good point. 
And now we're kind of in this heightened state and kind of going, well, you know, what's, you know, is that person okay? Is like, am I going to be safe? Is, you know, what happens if I get sick? I'm, you know. That's a good analogy. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, she, she yeah. brought that up. It was really interesting. And I think it's really great that if we can take this experience and say, wow, this is what my horse feels like most of the time. <laughs> You know, um, especially mine. I have a hackney pony. You know, they're neurotic to begin with. So (laughs) (laughs) everything's up to get the hackney pony. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll help you relate to them is go, okay, so you're like, you're like me if I'm going into a maybe a COVID positive area and I got to be like, right. (laughs) (laughs) You're walking into the COVID ward at the hospital without a mask. Yeah. You know, that's what they're thinking all the time. (laughs) Everything's out to get me. Yeah. So, so tell us, you know, like, okay, so podcasting is this really interesting media. It's basically, you know, you guys do it live, but it's also recorded. Most of it's recorded. Right. Okay. And so like, like how many horse podcasts are there? I mean, there's quite a few now that have popped up even since COVID started. Uh, We'll see how many of those last, right? We'll see how many keep going. This national statistic now is 85% of podcasts never make it six months. People start them. They think it's easy. They don't think there's any work involved to just get on a mic, you know, and that's true. If you want to do a podcast that, you know, you don't care if two people listen or not, you can do that and you can do it forever. Right. Uh, But if you actually want to make it successful, then you have to work work at it. It's just like anything else. So I, you know, when we, for about 10 years, there were maybe two or three others that were out there that weren't on the horse radio network, but now there's a whole bunch. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. Again, I've seen some come and go already. I tend to look at them and and invite them onto the network after they've been around for six months and been consistent about that after about six months. And then if I think the show is good, I'll invite them to come on the network. So Um, is that how you get more shows shows on the network then is you you see a podcast Or we have a show we want to do and we'll go out and find hosts ourselves and then create the show. Either way, we've done it both ways. Uh, like the dressage show, for for instance, was a good example of that. Uh, Horses in the Morning is another show, uh, you know, that that we did that. So, you know, but yet there's a lot of shows. Uh, on Shona Koresh does one on clicker training called Equine Clicker 101, which is a completely different show than we're used to doing because it's actually instructional. You're supposed to do it when you're with your horse and she guides you through step-by-step doing things. So that's been pretty popular because it's completely different. But Shauna was the one to do it because she's kind of like the cr- clicker training guru for years. Right. So, you know, and then Stacy Westfall does a Western dressage episode on the dressage show once a month. And, you know, she's the one to do it. Right. Um, so we tend, we have, we find hosts, one that are entertaining, that you want to like, you know, I always say at the podcasting conferences, I want my hosts to be huggable. Not now anymore, because that's not allowed. But, uh, you know, I want, I want you to feel like you could hug them if you could, right? Um, but that's the point, is they're just huggable. You, you feel like when you meet them, you want to run up and give them a great big hug. Right. And that's the kind of hosts we look for. And I think it's the kind of hosts. We have 32 hosts now on the network. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that, but that's what we look for. And, you know, that's what you want to listen to as somebody that's like that. So, you know, we'll either start a show or we will uh, bring them on that are already started. But I'll wait, I'll wait till they get the bugs out and see if they're going to keep it up before we bring them on. Well, because the consistency is so important. It's the most important thing in podcasting. If you're inconsistent, you're not going to develop an audience because they forget, you know, they just forget. They may have you on their player and it downloaded the episode, but they were listening to 20. you know, the average podcast listener listens between seven and 10 podcasts a week, different shows. Really? So, yeah. So you, you, when you take that, it's very easy to get you, get your show out of the cycle. Right. Right. So if you haven't, if you've missed an episode or two and now it's been a month, they've totally forgotten about you. And unless they physically go in and look and say, Oh, is there another episode out of this? You're not in their cycle you know, where you want to be in their cycle that they know that, you know, once a week or every two weeks, I have this show I'm going to listen to on that day. Right. Uh, and people do that. When they're podcast listeners, they do that. Podcasting is, you know, in the last couple of years has exploded. It, it, we waited a long time for that to happen. We were way ahead of the curve there, but it's happening now. We'll see how it settles out. Like anything else, you know, it's going to explode like this, and it's going to level off, and it's going to drop a bit. And what's going to be left are the core group of podcasts that 
have been around a while and have developed an audience and are going to stay around. So I think that like anything that's new, even though we've been doing this for 20 years, um, like anything that's new and become hot, it's going to level off. It's going to drop again. And then there'll be all these news reports, how podcasting is going away. It's terrible. It's, you know, it's declining when in fact it's just adjusting, you know, to where it should be. And then we're going to find after the curve, we're going to find a level of, yeah, it's kind of like COVID way up in numbers down up a little. Now we're kind of finding that level spot. We're going to have a thousand deaths a day. We're going to have 40,000 people getting infected a day. It's just kind of going to be the way it is until we, we get the vaccine. So it's the same way with podcasting. I think it's another two years and we're going to start to see that decline a little bit after all the people who decided to start one during COVID have gone away. Right. And then we're going to level out. And then, you know, all of us that, you know, have been doing a long time and are consistent are, are really you know, Reese and Philip, they're super consistent. They've yep. never missed a dressage show, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's 10 years. So it's really you know, impressive. It's, yeah. But that's the same thing like with the dot com bubble. It was the same thing. We saw the explosion and then it consolidated and it consolidated into a steady group that remains. And so that's this right. is kind of a typical cycle. It's not just in podcasting, but in any business, right. it's a typical cycle. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. And we've seen it in horse showing over the years. We've seen horse showing come tremendously popular. And then, uh, you know, usually it's a depression or something hits and then it drops and then it, you know, it goes up and it goes down, but somewhere in there's that median, that level point. Uh, and, and there's always something that adjusts it. It's usually financial something that adjusts the horse show world. Right. right? It's usually yeah. finances of some sort, some reason like that. Yeah. In this case, it's COVID who would ever thought that there'd be no horse shows for, five months. Well, and you know. you know, what's so interesting is over in Europe, they figured out how to do virtual dressage shows that people actually video their rides and then can submit it. And I know they're doing that with working equitation. Um, and there's a doing bunch of them here too. Yeah. They're starting to figure yeah. that out, how to do that. A, I, you know, I don't know that that, re- to- I don't know about everybody else, but I, you know, um, I think everybody's getting to the point where they're tired of virtual now and they really want to see people <laughs> be out doing things in person. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm getting to that point. You're probably dying to do another clinic soon. <laughs> no, actually, I have to say that I have been, you know, I have not stopped working. I've been working, what, 14, 16 hour days, but it's catching up on all the stuff that I didn't do while I was traveling right. so much. So, you know, I'm kind of hoping that I can actually well, get The world up. forced a reset on all of us, didn't it? Yeah. The world forced us to reset a bit. But yeah. I think everybody, even my brother, who is the most staunch, uh, you know, prepper there is, you know, has been holed up in the house ever since this started he's kind of ready to get out of the house now (laughs) (laughs) i think we're all getting to that point carol we need another horse lovers cruise real soon (laughs) yeah really yeah i'm sure that and and that's the thing is we need the time to figure out how to do these things safely while we're waiting that was kind of like my whole story with hep c it was I, i figured out how to keep you know working and protecting myself and everyone else and it's just a question of of working out the strategies. And so I think that's where we are now is we're realizing, okay, this is going to be with us for a while and we have to work out the strategies of how to return to some sort of a normal life. And, you know, they've said that riding is the lowest uh, chances of transmission because we're all our own horses. And you're outside usually, you know? Yeah. So the barn. We're in large arenas. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. I still wouldn't go sit in a concert right now with 50,000 people. Oh no, no. I wouldn't, but <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that even when there wasn't COVID. So why would I do that now? Okay, <laughs> that's funny. That's true. That is not my favorite time. Oh, no, we used to be all smashed in there at those concerts and had a good time. God, you get older; those things change. Yeah. So okay, so some of the things that you've done, you you have. have let me see if I understand this. You've got the Horse Radio Network with your programs, and you've got twenty shows. And then you have the Otters group, which is like kind of super fans, yeah. right? And then you've got cruises. Well, you did, but you'll probably bring those back. Yeah. And what else are you doing? Have I missed anything? Well, we do. Um, we've done, and this started since COVID too, although we used to do it occasionally. We, we've started, and we'll get back to this now in the fall after summer's over here. Uh, we started doing concerts, online concerts. Um, we've had art shows online where artists get the and you know last and you know that we've also done radiothon for a number of years which is 12 hours live at christmas and it's 12 hours and 20 hosts and tens of thousands of listeners and 
voicemails submitted by listeners and people singing songs. It's just a great time. We gave away uh, $12,000 in prizes last year in one day. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this year it's going to change a little, mostly because of my health issues, but um, you know, we do meetups at shows where we get the listeners together and, you know, we'd get together at Rolex or different events and shows around. Um, you know, I'm hoping to get back to trade show. Let's hope they have one here in January. We'll see if that happens. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to get back to that. Uh, but you know, I, you know, we try and do kind of special event things too. Um, and you know, I would like to do more things like the Graceland thing. Um, I've always, had in the back of my head to do a tour of the country where, we're, where we spend every night at listeners' farms. And oh, then we broadcast wow. from listeners' farms every day. I, you know, we thought about doing that. And, uh, you know, I'm getting older, so I better get that one done. <laughs> yeah, so like you get a mobile home and you just start at one of the yeah. and just cruise. Yeah, the- we thought about uh, getting a camper and, you know, go park at people's farms and, you know, doing shows uh, from the road uh, and then, you know, interviewing our listeners. And one year on Stable Scoop, we did a uh, Stable Scoop show. We did all listeners. We're our whole guests for all 50 episodes. Oh, wow. And it was one of the most interesting years we had and our numbers doubled on that show. And it's because people want to hear about people like them. They want to hear about other people who are just like them. Uh, and I think it helps, you know, we're pretty good interviewers and Helene is a good interviewer and we're, you know, that helps. I always said when I started Horse Radio Network, you know, 11,000 guests ago, that every horse person has a story. You know this because you've met oh, so yeah. many of them in person. Every horse person has a story. It's our job to find it and get it out of them. So as hosts, that's our job. Every horse person has something in their story that's very interesting, that didn't happen to too many people or, you know, is, is a life thing and, or a horse that was a life horse. Right. And it's our job to get them to talk about it, bring out that emotion, whether it's funny and entertaining or crying or whatever. That's our job as hosts is to, is to bring that out. And now it's your job, right? Is to bring yeah. that out. Yeah, that's you want to bring I mean. out the pa- passion is what you want. Well, what I love about doing the webinars is I get to find out backgrounds on people, like finding out that, you know, you did medieval uh, dinner party. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is so cool because I I know that the, you know, we didn't get here just, we didn't just drop in. We came from somewhere. We had some experience in our life. And personally, I know that, you know, when that horse rolled over on me in 1984, that was the first 15 seconds that changed my life. And sure if it was the second 15 seconds. So, you know, there's these life experiences we have that drive us into a direction that we would never have thought of or considered. And so, you know, that's one of the things for me that's so much fun with my guests is to find out, you know, what, what that was, how'd you get where you're getting? Because I think for other people, it's inspiring to know that story. And then that can help them find their own path, find their, you know, follow their own heart and find the thing they really love and follow that to the, into a job, into a career, you know, make it what you love. Um, Carol says, can't you just see Glenn dressed up as a king? <laughs> yeah, I know. I I'm like, I'm trying. You got pictures? You have pictures? Yeah. You have to post. I was much younger. There was no gray then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to. That's why I grew the beard because the king needed a beard. That's why I grew the beard all those years ago was play the king. Oh wow! (laughs) And so, what are all the pictures on the wall behind you? Are those all your your uh, listeners? Those are auditors, um, and I need to update that because that was when we first started the auditor group, the super fans, and they uh, they all gave me pictures, and I printed them out and posted them up here. But we need to that needs updated right now. It would take up my entire wall of the office. <laughs> oh, cool! Uh, but I do need to update it. I do want to update it. But that's uh, th- and and I did that as a reminder to me every day of who we're doing the shows for, why we're doing what we're doing. So on the tough days or the days that you just didn't feel like turning on the mic. You, you look at that and go, okay, that, the, that's why I'm turning on the mic. And Carol's picture is probably back here somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure it is somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but that's what that is. And so, you know, for all these episodes, can are they all still available online? Yep. Horseradionetwork.com. You can find all of our, our shows. Um, and all the shows are listed there by category. So you can go listen to the dressage show or whatever show you want listed there by category. And then all of those shows are available on any podcast player. You just look up the title, download it, and you're subscribed and you're good to go. So, so if somebody wanted to uh, go back you, and hear your first episode, they could find it? Yeah, I, I, I could find it on the website, horseradionetwork.com. They could find the first episode and, and most of them suck. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> every first episode of every podcast sucks. Jamie and I had these big dreams about all the things we wanted to do. And what we found out was 
we went in a completely different direction where the audience wanted us to go and the things that they reacted to. And, you know, they do. The most popular thing we do on any of the shows is every Friday we do really bad ads. And that's where listeners submit really bad Craigslist or Facebook ads for horses for sale or trailers for sale or farm equipment. And we read them and just make fun of them for half an hour. And that's our most popular day of anything we do is really bad ads. And we oh, give away wow. like $500 in prizes every month to people who submit them. We get horselovers.com sponsors that and gives prizes away every month. So we give away prizes, but that's our most popular half hour. I would non horse people listen to that half hour. Oh, that's so cool. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> and in 10 years, we've only had a couple people say, that's really mean what you do to these people. It's like, well, then don't listen because we're not stopping. This yeah, is right. Right. No, that's. <laughs> well, I think I you're think that when not the listener for our these, show. Then you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe somebody actually <laughs> put that in an ad. That's right. Well, and what we do is just have a little fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I think. It's and now funny. it's to the point where listeners record them and send them in themselves, so we play oh, wow. the listeners. Yeah, <laughs> so we get them from England and Australia and all over the world. This you know, and actually, you didn't bring out that point, but that's so cool that you have an international audience. Anybody anywhere around the world? We have nine. 92 countries that listen to the shows. 92. We have a big listenership in the Middle East. Wow. Think about it, There's a lot of horses over there. Sure. In, in the Arab countries, a lot of horses. And we have a lot of listeners. I don't know how they listen to horses in the morning because it's not correct in a lot of ways. So I <laughs> maybe they like a little Privately, they listen to it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's more, that's probably what it is. <laughs> yeah. We, our biggest countries are United States, Canada, of course kind of consider them one. Um, and then New Zealand, Australia is probably number two. And then the UK and then parts of Europe would be. Right, right. That order. English speaking. And that's, uh, Sweden. We have a lot of listeners to Horses in the Morning in Sweden. Really? I don't know why they like it, but they do. They all speak English as part of the reason because they taught English in school. Yes. So everybody speaks English in Sweden. So I think that's part of the reason that Sweden's really up there. You know, you'd expect the UK and Ireland and Scotland. We have a lot of listeners there, but Sweden, you know, but then you find out they all learn English. So. Right, right. Finland yeah. too, they all learn English. Um, so, but there are, there is language differences. And that's one of the things that I'm always working on. It's we're actually bringing out all the Surefoot information in German, Dutch, French, and Spanish on the website, because there's a lot of people around the world that don't speak English and you know, we're just expanding to meet our market. The Spanish market's getting huge in podcasting. It's huge. It's growing faster than any other market. South America, especially all the South American countries, Spain, but Spanish podcasts are huge now. Wow. They're the next big growing market is Spanish podcasts. Brazil, uh, even Venezuela, Argentina. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Such a such an interesting, you know, uh, uh, explosion of media sharing um, with podcasting and how it's finally because I I remember in the beginning it was like why you know <laughs> <laughs> I think we were doing it and saying that so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it does take time and you know it's that's one of the things is that I think you know your foresight your ability to see the need in the market and then recognize that where the podcasting was going and then just the sheer perseverance to make sure that it it, you stayed alive, which, you know, that's not an easy thing to do to stay alive uh, while you're forming something. And yeah, exactly. I can see the eye rolls there. You don't get that on the radio. <laughs> it was, there were some years, <laughs> but you know, we knew that podcasting would become a thing at some point. Yeah. And we just wanted to be number one in the horse world when it did. So somebody just touted on here and said, do you speak at podcast conventions? Yes. The Horse Radio Network's well-known in the podcasting world as kind of an example. It's used in a lot of education classes of how to build a network. Um, and so I've done keynote speeches. I do a keynote every year. I'm the opening speaker at PodFest, which is the second largest podcasting conference in the world. And I've done that for six years. So I do the opener there for that. And then uh, I've spoken at many podcasting conferences on various topics, uh, things. Wow. So You know, that's really yeah. awesome. That's quite amazing because... You know, that just says to what your commitment is and your breadth of knowledge and your understanding of the marketplace. That's, that's quite an achievement. I always try and, most listeners don't know this, but I always try and have two mentees at a time in the podcasting world. Oh. Um, so I'll, I need, I'm looking for two new ones now, but all of them are graduated and done very well. But I look for people who are just starting out that I think have a 
can really have the commitment. And then uh, we'll have weekly calls and I'll guide them and help them out. And uh, done, I'm very proud of some of them have done very well. So, and it doesn't matter uh, what the content is. It's really no, no. I don't, format. you know, except for one thing, I can't do life coaches. I just don't get them. Uh, I don't <laughs> get life coaches. <laughs> and I'm sorry for all the life coaches out there. I just don't get it. Um, so I, I'm not going to be able to help. It's okay. Me. You don't have to get everything, right? <laughs> That's the beauty is you don't have to get everything. You don't have to like everything on all your shows. Just, That's right. You know, or everything I say, it's, you know. I right. get there's, there's probably a reason for life coaches. I just, you know. For some people, it's helpful, but you know, clearly One of those it's not sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Glenn. We all have our things. Just, you know, it's just been so interesting to talk to you, and that's, uh, you know. One of the things I just love about my webinars is that I get the chance to kind of talk to people that I know, but you know, we're always so busy and when we not have COVID um, and it's been hard to just connect because um, we're always so, you know, on with- We usually see each other at trade shows and there hasn't been any. So. I know there haven't been any trade shows. That's true. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was supposed to be at Equitana USA and of course that- Yeah, we were too. Yeah, so, um, and even Equitana S in Germany in March, it, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, because that's 250,000 people through the door over nine days, right? And yeah, just, they already canceled CES, which is the Consumer oh, Electronics yeah. Show in Vegas in January. That's the biggest show in the world. I mean, that's the biggest conference about any conference. And they've already can they canceled it. They're going virtual. And that's in January. So Yeah. Well, and AAP is going virtual. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but... Um, Are they doing it? I was wondering, because they're always in December, right? Right, they're in December. I was there last we'll year. We'll see how that goes because mostly the vets get together to drink and party. Yes, so. I know. <laughs> told me that's why I'm like, oh, we'll see how this. Maybe they actually don't do any work there. Each other, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't do any work. <laughs> they have a good job. Okay, we just let out the big secret about the yeah. uh, AAP. <laughs> but it was really fun. I had a great time being there. It was a blast. I had, uh... Yeah, because they drink and party. Yeah. <laughs> They're a fun group. <laughs> yeah, really fun group. But uh, yeah, so we're just going to have to see what happens in terms of getting back together again. It's, uh, you know, every day's a new day, it seems like. We just kind of Well, hopefully we'll get a vaccine and we can get back to life. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah, what I hope. That's and I think that's going to be sooner than later. I think that's yeah. coming. Well, We'll see. Time will oh, tell. I'm going to wait a month or two. To, here, I'll disclose this. I'm going to wait a month or two to see how many die first, and then I'll get mine. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, if you have a pre-existing <laughs> like Lyme, you got to be really careful what you do yeah. with your immune system. So. Yeah, I, I've been pretty locked up because between Lyme and, and I uh, just found out I have colon cancer, so I have to get that operation done. Oh, wow. So between all of that, I've been kind of careful. You know, it's just been... Yeah, yeah. What, uh, don't insult Jennifer's your body too many times in, this, in a closed sequence. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Glenn, all right. No. Well, this has been fun, and thank you, by the way, for your support of the Horse Radio Network. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I for, really for love Bruce and Philip. They're really great. It's just we have such a good time, and I've you know since been and met Reese and and uh, worked with her and stuff like that. And she's just such a lovely person. She, and you know, Philip, I missed. I was in Canada, but he, we didn't connect. They're real. They're real people too. You know, it's funny because sometimes you think that you know, you hear about celebrities who, when people meet him in person, they're nothing like they are, right? Uh, but all of our hosts are, you get what you get. And Reese and Philip are just like they are in the show. I mean, they're, that's what they are. You get, yeah. you get that person, right? Re Philip called me last night to ask about the cancer thing. And Reese talked to me this morning, just called. Oh, did you, was it really recent? You just found out? Yeah, it was really recent. So, but that's what kind of people they are, you know, and that's our, all our hosts are that way. It's just, you, they're just real people. And I think that that it makes a difference. But, you know, and again, Reese would not have represented your products if they didn't work. Right. You know that. Oh, absolutely. She wouldn't have. Yeah. She would tell you that. <laughs> so now, so you're going to get, you know, they get this colon cancer thing under control, right? Yeah. I they're going to take uh, part of it out. Okay. I'm going to get 10, 10, 12 inches out here next month. And then they think I'll be okay. That I probably won't need chemo and stuff. Now I won't know for sure until after. I guess they check, they take out more than they need and check the margins and make sure it hasn't spread. So, uh, but if you've been putting off a colonoscopy, this is my PSA for the day. We'll end on this, go get it done. And right now they're saying you should be age 45. People are getting uh, colon cancer much younger now. As a matter of fact, it's leveled off and older people and younger people are getting it. They don't know whether it's diet. They don't, not sure why, but I had been seven years and I probably waited two years too long. 
So the doctor said, if I'd waited another year, we'd be having a whole different conversation. And he said, basically, this, this visit to get the, the uh, colonoscopy saved my life. That's the last thing he said. He said, this visit saved your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go get it done. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll get it done. Well, <laughs> and male and female. Know. You know, I don't know why this is. I still don't know why this is. They always say about men getting colonoscopies. Do you realize that one in 23 men will get colon cancer? One in 25 women. It's only two difference. So why aren't women, why don't they talk about everybody should be getting it, not just men. Right. It's, there's not that much difference. Right. And it's easy to treat if you can. And it isn't fun. I agree. It isn't fun. You're going to sit on the toilet for seven hours. It's not fun. (laughs) I watched an entire season of Umbrella Academy on the toilet. (laughs) But it's, you know, that's better than than my friend who's been nine years in chemo and operations. So, you know, he, he uses that point. That's his point. Seven hours on the toilet is better than nine years of chemo and operations. Right. It's got a good point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very good point. All right, I'll I'll, uh, so, I'll get my point. So that's my we saved lives today. Look at that, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, fun, educational, and get safe by getting a colonoscopy. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Go do it. Don't put it off. <laughs> thanks, well, Wendy. thanks, Glenn. This has been such a pleasure to really get to know you a little bit more, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you know there's a lot going on, and your show takes a lot of time, so I really appreciate that. Horseradionetwork.com. Yep. Check it out and we'll see you there. All right. So tomorrow my guest is Tracy Vroom and we're going to talk about cranial sacral therapy with a twist. I'm not sure what the twist is, but we'll find out. That'll be a lot more educational than mine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find this in all of my uh, webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Just go there and subscribe and you'll get a notice every time we put up another webinar and do be sure to join my email list at murdochmethod.com so that you get the email in your mailbox for when we put up more webinars. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you, Glenn, and have a wonderful day. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. We lost him. Bye, Glenn. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Bye-bye. See everybody. Bye, Carol. I think I locked up for a little. Bye, Diane. Bye, everybody. Bye, Beth. Bye.